Welcome to the Messy Middle Christian Podcast, made with love and care for Christians who find themselves caught between loving the church and leaving it. I'm your host, Kate Boyd, a speaker, Bible teacher, and author of An Untidy Faith. Consider this limited series podcast your guide to taking ownership of your faith journey in order to disentangle from toxic forms of evangelicalism, create a healthier faith, and reclaim your joy in following Jesus. Hey guys, I am really excited for this episode because um, I think this is sort of where we get um, a little stumbly. And that's because we are starting to change our minds about things and we are feeling a whole lot of ways about the things that we used to believe or used to think and the people that taught us those things. And so we want to sort of like have conversations, but we end up sometimes going, you know, going in guns blazing and, um, and that's okay. Sometimes I think you can do that, but just knowing then that there are relational consequences to those things and you may be okay with those consequences. Um, but a lot of us still have lots of really close people that we love and that we a lot of the times we know or we think that they're doing their best to be faithful. Um, And some of this is also from a good place because like we want people to have um, untangled their own toxic theology, right? We, We want them free as much as we are free, but not everybody is ready. And so conversations um, about your new convictions will come from a lot of different places. And sometimes it'll be them worried about you and trying to change your mind. Um, But regardless, um, there are things you can do to hold your convictions without condemning other people and have conversations with that sort of openness and curiosity um, so that you can help shape the conversation instead of it being foisted upon you. And at the same time, you can have more productive conversations um, that are at least baseline relationally, even if you don't get the result that you want. Okay. So let's talk about that conviction without condemnation. Um, and when I say convictions, um, this can be doctrines, this can be, you know, beliefs and values. I think it's sort of like an easy bucket for me. I think of doctrine as like those major, major things and convictions as, um, as, you know, maybe the lower tier beliefs that I have, um, if we're looking at it, you know, theologically on a spectrum. But I don't think it has, I think it just sort of means in this conversation, um, convict, a conviction is anything that you hold very strongly, that you've come to a conclusion about, you have done work and you feel at peace about. Um, when you have that conviction, then you'll be able to work. Um, you'll feel that's when you really can start having a lot of conversations about things. At least that's was helpful for me. I feel like I have to be at peace in order to approach a conversation peacefully. Otherwise, it's really easy for me to get more frustrated. Um, some people work things out in conversations like this. So if that's you, awesome. But these um, these tools may also help um, that I'll be giving in that case. So 
if you're holding a conviction, it can be, and it's different, and you feel very strongly about it, right? It can be really easy to get frustrated in the conversations. So when you engage with other people, it's really important to sort of keep your evenness and your goals in mind. And that's really the first tip is change the goal. (laughs) A lot of times we are stuck in the evangelical mindset of being right and winning, okay? When you have finally landed somewhere, um, it is really easy to continue to gravitate towards that certainty and let that certainty drive the way that you look at everyone else's certainty, right? Or even their uncertainty. And often, especially in evangelicalism, right? That's what like apologetics are for is to convince everyone. And so you're trying to convince people, which means you're trying to A, make sure everyone acknowledges that you're right and B, win the conversation. So even if you don't get people to acknowledge that you're right, sometimes you want to win the conversation by just dropping it right there and and like having the best retort or you know leaving them stumped or whatever right even if they didn't end up where you are you feel like you need to win the conversation unfortunately those goals often end in relational losses and again if you're okay with that or these are maybe peripheral people and you don't have a deep relationship with them then maybe that's okay But for those that are like your family and your close friends from the churches that you are a part of or were a part of, sometimes those aren't, those don't feel like options. So rather than focusing on winning or convincing, we need to focus on dialogue and understanding, which means we need to be more curious. We need to, like, these are like first date rules, right? Ask more questions than you talk about yourself. You really want to understand the person. And if you ever do want to eventually convince them or have them listen to you, um, you have to be really gracious about their viewpoint, right? And you have to understand their viewpoint. And if you do that, they will be more likely to do to take that same time to understand you, even if you end up in different places, which doesn't mean you have to, you know, not be friends, right? Um, like, there is nobody that I agree 100% with. My husband and I, who like, he's the closest person to me in the world, and we don't agree on everything 100%. Important things, sure, but not everything. And so it's an unrealistic expectation to think that you and someone have to agree 100% in order to be friends. Now, yes, there are lines, right? And and everyone will have different boundaries around that. So keep that in mind. But there are some of the things that we end up with that we don't need to sort of like cancel entire relationships over that we do because we're, we're mad. And that's fair. Um, and so one, change the goal. Two, the next part is self-examine, which this is sort of the part where you need to know whether you're ready or not for these conversations because they're probably not going to go <laughs> as well as you hope. Um, or maybe they do, and that's awesome. Maybe they go better than you hope. Um, and so you really need to know um, that you are not 
you may still be angry and grieving and cynical, and those may not be the best places from which to have these conversations. Now, some of them will happen when you're in these states, um, and that's just life because people talk in these different things, but you have to be really aware of that dynamic when you go into the conversations. And the same for um, others. Maybe you even just admit it up front and say, look, I'm still very like angry and sad and walking through some of this. So we can either have this now, but you'll need to know that like there may be some reactions um, that I don't expect or that you don't expect that occur, right? Like just be honest in the conversation. And then even giving them the option, like maybe at a later time, like there's a better there will be a better opportunity for us to talk about this because this is this is not it, right? Um, the second thing is in this that when we're sort of in that angry, cynical state, it is really tempting to only see the flaws in the other person and in those beliefs and in those um, convictions. And so you just sort of like hurl a lot of things at the other thing And those things may be well-founded, but at the same time, we sort of sometimes forget to self-reflect, right? And um, to do our own confessing. Um, Like if we are also, it's this whole log and speck in the eye, right? We're looking at the speck in someone else's eye when there's a log in our own. We We will never be perfect people, right? When we're having these conversations, it's really important then that we confess as much as we call out, right? That we are aware of our own faults, that we are repenting and navigating those. And that keeps us humble and helps us understand that, you know, other people have problems too, but it also will keep us honest in those conversations and say like, I know that I have been a part of this. I know that this is what I'm dealing with now. And you can be aware of your own triggers and red flags and and things like that in those conversations, but also that um, you'll be doing it from a more mature and more um, honest and humble place. And I think that's really important um, because we are not holier than thou, right? Like we are all failing all the time. And so being honest about that is incredibly important. Okay. <clears throat> the next thing is to enter the conversations with generous assumptions. And I talked a little bit about this at the top, but I think, um, because there are people within our past circles who have believed things or who have done things from malicious intent, from controlling um, places, sometimes we start to believe that everyone who holds those things has that same intent. And the truth is that that can't be true because that was us, right? We didn't always intend to do the harm that was done. It doesn't mean that harm wasn't done. And it doesn't mean, you know, that, that pain isn't real, but it also doesn't mean that everyone is out there trying to do these things. Um, and I think that's important to recognize. And so I want you to go in assuming right? That people are just doing their best to be faithful. And that's why it's important to ask questions more than to like 
talk, like present cases because you really need to understand people, right? And you need to acknowledge in your conversations the good that they are and the good that they do. And so if you are making generous assumptions you are believing the best about them and their intentions. You may discover that that was wrong <laughs> as you ha- as you converse, but wouldn't you rather start from there? I think it's really important. And so, yeah, make generous assumptions um, in those conversations. Don't immediately think that everything that they say is to hurt you or to think that you're stupid or that they're judging you. They might be, but... Um, that will affect the way that you put yourself across and you might be cutting off conversation before it really starts when that's not even what they were trying to do. So do a lot of like, I heard you say, is that right? Without trying to like read in too much to that, which I also know is a challenge because like part of the whole thing is the performance, right? The whole thing that we're trying to leave behind is sort of the performative masked um, version of things, right? That we are here and that you sort of like say the one thing because you know it's like the right thing to say. Like we're used to those dynamics. Um, and, And undoubtedly those dynamics will still exist. But it's really important to not keep... Um, to not make those dynamics um, front and center and to clarify, like ask or even say like when you said that, what I sort of felt or what it felt like you meant was this and let them clarify, right? So just continue, like if you're having an argument with your partner, right? These are just conversation. You are navigating conflict and make sure that you are just continually aware and um you know, trying to operate with honesty and integrity and that you're expecting and assuming that they're doing that as well until they give you a reason to think otherwise. So make generous assumptions. Next thing is to stay humble. And we've sort of danced around this and all of that. But here's the thing that the number one thing I've realized in disentangling, right, in deconstruction is that there are are actually a lot of different legitimate ways to look at the Bible, to look at belief. Um, there are absolutely things that are like essential and that we can't leave behind. Um, but what I know now is that I could be wrong, <laughs> right? Like I have my convictions, but I fully own that I could be wrong. And I am trusting the character of God to be okay with my wrongness in the end. And so try to stay humble. Like, remember, you could be wrong. They could be wrong, but you could also be wrong. You may both be losers in the conversation. So again, approach it with the idea of faithfulness um, and curiosity and, you know, being honest too and just saying like, I now understand that there's a lot of legitimate things out there, you know, and I want to be honest that like I, I don't think that there is just like this one Thing, right? Whatever it is that you're talking about, you might be talking about any manner of things. Um, and so keeping yourself humble, like, and reminding yourself again, this goes back to like the goal, right? The goal is dialogue, not winning, not convincing. 
because it's about under even understanding that there is a width of tradition. Okay. <clears throat> the next thing is to commit to empathy. Commit to empathy. Because here's the thing. If someone, if like two years ago, three years ago, before you started this process, if someone had told you that you would have walked through all of these things, that all of, that a lot of your illusions would have been shattered, that you would have changed your mind, that you would have experienced all this pain and hurt, you, A, may not believe them, and you, B, wouldn't want someone then throwing anger and hate and um, strong words your way, right? You would want someone to be kind to you. You would want someone to look at you and not pity you, right? Because I think sometimes we can take this to pity, but to say like, I've been where you are. And I know that hearing all of this is really hard. And or even that you, if you believe that this is the thing and that I have changed my mind, then you are worried for me, right? We can acknowledge these things, that they are thinking all these things, they are feeling all of these things, and they're processing all these emotions in real time in the conversation. They're processing them after the conversation, maybe for years on end in their bodies as they're working out all these beliefs, right? And and these beliefs about you as much as their beliefs about God and Jesus and all the things. So if you commit to empathy, that just means keeping in mind that where you have moved through this process and you've experienced all these different stages, they're doing that too. Um, <clears throat> and maybe at a different pace, but that you can remember what it was like to be there and try to be there with them instead of trying to like force them to get um, where you need to go or not caring about them in that process. Because I think um, if we learn anything from the Bible, it's that God cares about how we do things and how we love people. And this can be a way that we do that as meeting them right there. Okay. The next couple of things, um, you know, is just don't make it personal, right? Don't make it personal. It's not Make it about ideas and not about the people. Because again, if we are assuming that they are doing this because they are faithful, if we are assuming, um, you know, that they are the good, loving people that we have been in relationship all this time, then it's not really about who they are as a person. It might be about the ideologies <clears throat> and actions that they are upholding, right? And so, or actively a part of without even realizing implications of. And so make it about the ideas, keep it focused on the ideas. If there is hurt, obviously process through that. That's relational, that is personal. But again, don't assume intent, intent in that. Um, and so if you are working through that, then, and on the same end, don't, assume it's personal from them either, right? You don't have to take that in. They are not necessarily criticizing you as a person. Maybe they are, you know, skeptical or critical of the ideas that you are now a part of. So keep, it's not about the people specifically. It's about the ideas that you're dialoguing around. And that's really important to keep in mind. Lastly, commit to love. Leave it with love. If you still want to have a a relationship with this, know when you need to walk away. Know when it's not safe for you anymore. Know when you're about to overstep 
um, a line, or if you do overstep a line, apologize and say, maybe we should come back to this sometime. Um, like be committed to still loving them because then you will be willing to come back to the conversations and they're hard conversations. They're not easy. So just keep that as you go. Right. And then sometimes, um, lastly, I want to leave you with a few different responses that I use online, um, and in life in, in situations where I feel like people are trying to convince me, um, and, um, and I just am not available for that conversation all the time, especially with internet strangers. So the first response that I always give is, you know, I respect that you have a different conviction. Now, a lot of times they escalate that and say like, well, you know, if you don't believe X, Y, Z, you're a sinner because the Bible says so, right. Or whatever. Um, this happens a lot in conversations about like women in ministry or, You'll probably get it in LGBTQ conversations. You'll probably get it in justice conversations, right? Because justice can be defined very narrowly in some circles. And so you can, if you are not open for dialogue, you just be like, I respect that you have a different conviction, which says, you know, you have a different conviction and it, and it tells them that they have something else, right? And that there is space for both of those things, because I do actually think there's space for for more than one thing in a lot of areas, not every area, but a lot of areas. Um, if that escalates, the next thing I do is like faithful people from different denominations and traditions of the past th- and throughout history have held a variety of opinions on this matter. And so I'm trusting, you know. I, I think that's, oh, then it's okay for us to hold different um, opinions on this matter. Again, people will get mad. They'll probably, they may give you different Bible verses. They may walk away. Um, and after that, like you can, you can sort of choose your path, right? Of how you want to handle that. But, um, you know, I just, and then like in the end, I usually say like, f- you know, feel free yourself from the need to convince me as I have freed myself from the need to convince you. Um, and that usually ends the conversation. (laughs) Um, so like you can just say that be free of needing to convince me. I am convinced of my conviction. That's why it's my conviction. I've spent, you know, and you can even tell them I have come to my convictions through prayer and study and conversation and experience and all of the things that you've gone through And so you can free yourself from the need to convince me because I have been convinced of something. Um, And, and then just say like, have a great day. (laughs) That, now I have a lot of conversations online about things um, as well as in person. But uh, so these are sort of things that have helped me, but these are things that you can also tailor for more in-person or personal conversations with people, you know, is just allow space for ambiguity, continue to stay humble, and just tell them that like in the same way that you're not trying to win the conversation, they will also not be able to win the conversation, right? Because it's not about winning. It's about dialogue. Okay, that's what we have for today. See you next time. That's it for today. 
Thanks for listening and making me a part of your journey. If you're looking for a way to remove the toxic parts of the faith you inherited, rebuild your faith on your own terms with global and historical perspective, find your way back to joy in following Jesus, and want a companion who can show you that there is a way forward without judgment, I think you'll love my book, An Untidy Faith. There can be a life of faith after deconstruction, and In An Untidy Faith, together we'll ask questions that help restore our faith in Christianity and find our way back to living in God's vision for community. This is the journey you are made for. If you want a little hope and help along the way, you can purchase the book at any major retailer or simply go to anuntidyfaith.com. See you next time.